0: Welcome to Wines We Drink, a podcast for wine lovers and learners. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, and together with my counterpart, Keith Herndon, we'll be exploring a new wine each week. Keith is a lover of wine, and I am a learner of wine. We hope you'll learn and sip along with us, too. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Wines We Drink. I'm joined by my co-host, Keith Herndon, and I'm Charlotte, as always. But today is a special episode for us, and we're in a celebratory mood. Keith, do you want to explain?
1: (laughs) Sure. And hello, everyone. Uh, Well, when we started planning and outlining this uh, podcast, we got to episode six, today's episode, and that's the midpoint in our summer project, The Wines We Drink. and. We had featured two reds and two whites, so we had to decide where to next. That was the question, right? Well, it seemed like a perfect time to pause for a celebration, and celebrations always call for sparkling wine.
0: Oh, yeah. And so while our celebration today might be a made-up milestone for us, (laughs) I'll take any opportunity, any excuse to enjoy some bubbly.
1: Well, if our wine journey throughout this podcast is about finding joy... In each bottle story, there is no more joyous story to be found than from a delicious, effervescent bottle of sparkling wine. France's Champagne region made its sparkling wine synonymous with celebration for centuries, and there are many amazing French champagnes to explore. But in this episode, we're taking our listeners beyond the famous. In fact, we're going far outside the norm. And I'm not even talking about Spain's Cava or Italy's Prosecco.
0: Oh man, that sounds intriguing and I can hardly wait to begin with today's selection. But before we get there, let's talk about why all sparkling wines are not champagne. Can you explain that?
1: Well, certainly. Uh, There's a saying that goes like this. All champagne is sparkling wine, but not all sparkling wine is champagne. Okay? And the reason is simple. The only sparkling wine that can be called champagne is that produced and bottled in the champagne region of France. It's their brand. And they've worked extremely hard over the decades through marketing and regulation to protect that brand. And rightfully so, there are amazing champagnes to enjoy. And we probably will on a future episode, maybe, okay?
0: (laughs) Well, that gives me something to look forward to. Um, So now explain what we're going to be drinking today.
1: Okay, so sparkling wines are produced all over the world, okay? And I previously mentioned that there are two other well-known examples, such as cava from Spain and Prosecco from Italy. Maybe we'll drink those too. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe we'll just have a whole, like, uh, sparkling wine show, right? There you go. But there are great sparkling wines produced in the United States, and a lot of those use the traditional method that has long established you know, France's Champagne region as the premier region for sparkling wine. So in spirit and character, the wines that you get elsewhere, if they're made in that traditional method, are very much like Champagne, even though we're not allowed to call it that. So earlier I said we're going to think outside the norm. So today we're opening and drinking a selection of my favorite sparkling wine from the Gruet Winery located in the unexpected state of New Mexico and this is a bottle of bubbly that's perfect for any wedding anniversary birthday graduation or any other day especially one where we're celebrating our podcast making it to its sixth episode.
0: Oh yeah. I've been waiting for this episode to have another opportunity to drink a bottle from Gruet because in the full spirit of transparency here, I have had the wonderful opportunity to be with you and your wife when we visited the winery in Albuquerque a few years ago. That was such a special day.
1: Uh, yes, it was, man. I, I recall that, that we arrived a day early for a conference that we were attending specifically so we could visit that winery without feeling guilty about skipping out on a few conference sessions.
0: It was so worth it. How did you learn about Gruet and even know to plan a visit there?
1: Yeah, so, so this is a full shout out to my favorite restaurant, um, Heirloom Cafe, located in our hometown of Athens, Georgia. It's a wonderful little place and a converted old gas station, and it embodies the charm of that farm-to-table cafe that you want to find in a college town like ours. It's run by Jessica Rothaker and her father, Travis Birch. And aside from their great food, they have a wonderful bar with an exceptional wine list. A lot of unique offerings. So a few years ago, I was there for dinner, and Jessica suggested that we try a glass of Gruet sparkling wine and it's been a go-to bottle of bubbly for me ever since I mean it was a special glass of wine on a special night with my wife and it was one of those wine moments that just stays with you it was the discovery of a new gem
0: and like you said unexpected in its locale and so we're if we're mining the selections from Gruet which gem did you choose for us to drink today
1: well it's a bottle produced in the classic champagne method as I mentioned earlier And this one is made from 100% Pinot Meunier grapes. You'll see that spelled M-E-U-N-I-E-R, but I'm told that it's pronounced Meunier. You have
0: great French pronunciation (laughs) there.
1: So these grapes were grown and handpicked in New Mexico's Tamaya Vineyard in a partnership that Gruet has with the Santa Ana Pueblo. This is truly a bottle of wine, sparkling wine that reflects the viticulture in New Mexico.
0: And we've said this a few times already, but people often don't associate New Mexico with wine. So how did Gruet come about? Is there a story here?
1: Well, absolutely, there's a story. Uh, You know, so uh, if you go to the winery's webpage, their history refers to it as a story of, quote, French roots and American dreams. And I think that's a really good way of putting it. Uh, Gilbert Gruet was produced champagne from France, and he wanted to expand in the U.S., and the New Mexican government at the time was trying to encourage more viticulture. And so he came and toured New Mexico and decided that that was a place to begin, and they planted some experimental great plantings there. And when that was successful, two of his children moved uh, to New Mexico and their American operations went into full swing. This was in the early 1980s, okay? But I think it's important for our listeners to understand that winemaking in New Mexico has a long history. Uh, In fact, a uh, winemaking varietal known as Mission Grapes had been introduced in the New World in the 1600s by Franciscan missionaries. And history records that that grape was planted in New Mexico, became their first vineyard in 1626. So in my wine courses that, I ta- that I've taken with the Napa Valley Wine Academy, I learned that New Mexico can claim an unbroken history of wine growing almost 400 years long. Wow. And so that's a pretty good track record of growing grapes. And there are now over 50 wineries in the state. So I think New Mexico is a hidden gem with a lot of hidden gems. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
0: absolutely. I mean, that is such a fascinating history. And it's really those histories and stories about the viticulture and the people behind it that contribute to our appreciation of wine and now our appreciation of New Mexican wine. But (laughs) enough of the history. I think it's time that we drink, we open this bottle, and we celebrate.
1: Yes, so I've saved popping the cork of this so that we can capture the full experience for those listening with us on today's episode.
0: This is the best part.
1: So I'm going to, uh, kind of in the classic spirit of how you do this, you hold the wine and you gently twist the bottle and you turn the bottle so that eventually you get the pop.
0: Wow! Mazel tov! (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's truly the first mark of the celebration is the pop.
1: That's it. That's it. So let's pour a couple of uh, flutes here and I'll have you take a observation of as we pour
0: oh yeah I mean see the head immediately the head just fills the entire glass it's just such a beautiful sparkling uh you know thick set of bubbles here I mean it really is so special and the actual color of this sparkling wine is rather golden but it almost has some pinky hues to it it's not a true yellow uh it has some warmth in there and it's really just such a such a stunning color
1: so even though this is a, a a sparkling wine with some effervescence, I'm still going to have you kind of nose it a little bit if you don't mind Kind of tell me what you're what you're smelling there
0: And there's no swirling action happening here right
1: Not really okay <laughs> that's, what, do I do it, right? that's <laughs> what I thought that's what I thought
0: You can watch the bubbles <laughs> Oh yeah so smelling it immediately you can feel it almost I mean the wine is alive right I mean the bubbles are. Uh, f- floating all the way up through your nose and immediately I get uh, some sweetness there. I mean, it's almost like, I mean, truly almost like a, a honey. It's that rich of a sweetness that's coming through. It definitely doesn't, in in the nose, doesn't feel uh, something dry. It feels rather, uh, right. rather sweet.
1: Yeah, that's, the. it's not sweet as in sugar, but the aroma is sweet.
0: Right, that's right.
1: Right. So had that nice sip.
0: Ooh, that is so good.
1: <laughs> it's very refreshing. It's
0: so refreshing. It's very light. Um, you know, the bubbles just add a certain zing to it. And then you're immediately then hit with a nice coating um, of that sweetness again. And, and honestly, some, some fruitiness is coming through here. I'm going to go in for a second sip. Yeah, I mean that fruitiness. Unlike the other um, white wines that we've tasted in our previous episodes, which were very citrus forward, I'm getting a lot more, maybe some berries happening here. Yeah, so, if you,
1: so berries. That's a good observation. So if you had to describe the berry, what, what what kind of berry are you are you tasting there?
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a strawberry, maybe even a raspberry. Red berries <laughs> is maybe uh, the theme.
1: All right. That's really good. I I, I definitely taste that. I mean, you even kind of noted there was like a little bit of a pink hue. You know, it's certainly not a rosé. No. You know, it's not intended to be a rosé, but it is. um,
0: The faintest casting of pink.
1: Right. Faintest casting. Very, very, you know, very, uh, yeah, it's just an exquisite, it's just an exquisite sparkling wine.
0: It's, it's captivating, truly. I mean, I am often hypnotized by sparkling wines. Um, I could watch them all day long. They're like a lava lamp or something, just sitting in your, in your flute. Um, I mean, it's, it, it is, we talk about wine being an experience, and this is often the first thing that comes to my mind is sipping a sparkling wine.
1: Well, you know, I think this one has some, that wonderful effervescence, you know, the bubbles. I, I, I like the way you described it, that this wine is alive. Right. Right. That was so, uh, that was so great. You know, for me, this has a uh, in in kind of wine vernacular. It has this long finish. Interesting. It stays with you. You know, and and, and uh, uh, so I get some real hints of of minerality, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's some real mineral uh, quality to the wine that stays in the palate. It's 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 not metallic necessarily, in a bad way, but it's that wonderful. Connection to the to the earth, right? right. I was that, gonna that... say it's
0: like it grounds it grounds <laughs> it. You know, you mentioned, uh, and I hadn't even realized that's what was happening in my mouth was how long the, those flavors stick around with you. And yeah, it's almost like the earth is grounding those flavors.
1: Right. Well, when you go to the official like tasting notes uh, that you'll find for this wine out on the Gruyere, uh Winery's website, you know they mention some other. Types of flavors that come through, and and these might not be uh, flavors that uh, a lot of wine novices would immediately gravitate toward, but they mention things like fig and honeysuckle, right? And and what I really think that that is 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 referring to is kind of that jamminess, that that also that floralness that we might think of of a honeysuckle, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's there, and then they talk about fresh apricot as a flavor. Um, and, and, and then you picked up on the, the one when you talked about, you know, the, the, like the sense of honey and, and that really came, that really came through and they, and they mentioned that in their, in their tasting notes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, honey is a specific type of sweetness. It's like you said, not sweet, like sugar, uh, sweet, like something else. And that's the (laughs) word for it. Excellent. So as always, once we've enjoyed wine and given our thoughts on it, I have to tell our listeners what 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 it's going to cost. So, what does this celebratory wine typically sell for?
1: Well, the very good news is that this bottle is still available for direct purchase from the winery and it's currently listed there at $42, which is a very nice price point for a bubbly of this quality. I mean, this is a 4-star wine, okay? But if that's a little pricey for you, Gruet is well known for several other styles that range in price and you can find them on their website from 15 to $30. So, head to Gruet, look at their website, check out their different uh, styles of wine. Uh, they also have steel wine as well as sparkling wine. And, uh, and I think you'll find a wine that would appeal to you in uh, a price point. And as always, I want to add that we're not part of any affiliate marketing on the Wines We Drink podcast. <laughs> there is no compensation from the winery. We talk about the wines we like to drink, not as part of any paid influencer campaign.
0: That's exactly right. And for the first time, this is a wine that I have drank, uh, you know, on my wine journey. Um, So that's really exciting for me. And this is uh, truly one of my favorites. And the price point, I mean, really for something that is built for celebration uh, is is really quite affordable, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, this episode has certainly taken me back to the day we uh, shared at the winery. A lot of fond memories there.
0: Oh, absolutely. It was, like I said before, such a special day. Uh, and we hope you enjoy your bottle of the sparkling wine we drank today or another one of Gruet's excellent choices uh, in this episode is is truly one that, that has me reflecting on, on some fond times. We talked a lot about in each of our former six episodes about the experiences and about the stories that come with wine. And this is definitely one for me. So thanks everyone for being with us today. We're gonna step away for a moment, but we'll be right back to wrap up this episode with our educational feature, today's wine word. So we're back and ready for Keith to define today's wine word, brute. I always see that on a bottle of sparkling wine. What does that mean?
1: Well, sparkling wines have some of their own terminology to understand when you're shopping for one that you'd like. And and one of the things to look for on the label is the description of its level of sweetness. Right? Brute, today's wine word, is a descriptor that means dry. So if you see brute, you're going to be looking for a you're gonna be you're gonna be seeing and experiencing a dry wine. But if you're looking for a completely dry sparkler, then you'd be looking for the words extra brute. Okay? Okay. But don't be confused by the words extra dry. Okay. Because that actually means medium dry.
0: Oh, man.
1: Right? So if you're looking for a sweet sparkling wine, then it's good to understand that there are a lot of other descriptors out there besides extra brute, brute, and extra dry. So if you want a sweet wine, you would see the words sec or SEC and that means slightly, uh, slightly sweet. You'll also see demisec, sec and that indicates a fairly sweet wine and then you would also see the word do or d-o-u-x and that means sweet. It's almost like a dessert wine. So there you have it. Brute means dry but there are a lot of other sweetness indicators to also understand when you're out there shopping for your sparkling wine.
0: There is a sparkling wine spectrum, people. Another (laughs) lesson in how to navigate the wine shelves. So thanks, Keith. That's a wrap on today's Wines We Drink. Please join us for our next episode when we explore another outstanding bottle of vino. Keith is going to test or take our taste buds to France as we drink an exceptional rosé. That's the perfect companion to these hot summer days. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Wines We Drink. Listen to our other episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you'll be the first to listen to future episodes. And follow us on Twitter at Wines We Drink and Instagram at The Wines We Drink. Cheers.